one is quite deep and uh, a continuation a little bit of last week, so I'm going to try and not go too, too fast. Um, and some of you heard me teach it before. It's been about two or three years, and it's called The, the Knowledge of Good and Evil. Genesis chapter 2, verse 17, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, thou shalt not eat of it, for in the day thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. What we're going to look at tonight is to find out a little bit about what that tree really was and how did it kill them? How did, what was the death mechanism and how does it apply to us today? Well, we've been studying um, about God and creating us in his image in Genesis 1, 27. So God created man in his, in the image of God created he him, male and female created he them. Amen. What does that mean? What does that mean that we were created in his image and his likeness? What does the scripture tell us about God's true nature? God is a spirit. So in Genesis 1, what he must have created was the spirit or the soul of man. And that's why in Genesis 1 it uses the the Hebrew word bara, which means out of nothing. Then we get to Genesis 2, and he uses a completely different word. It's formed. That means something that was pre-existent. So God first created our soul in Genesis 1, and in Genesis 2, he took that soul and he put it into a body, a container made of flesh. And he placed it in a flesh body. Um, Genesis 2, 7, and the Lord God formed, it used a completely different word. The skeptics reading Genesis 1 and Genesis 2 will say, hey, these are two different creation stories, but they don't understand that there were two separate creations, one of the spirit and then one of the flesh, and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. You know what God did? He then covered that body with his spirit. So man became a three-part being, a, a soul, a spirit in a body covered with God's spirit. And that's what made us and what made Adam a son of God. Today, when we're born, we only have two parts. We're a body and soul. And that's why we need that third part, God's spirit, to then become a son of God. The Bible says, to them gave he power to become. We're in the becoming. We're in the process. Amen. The Holy Spirit, the Bible says, is just the deposit. It's not the full house, yes, it's just the guarantee, amen, that if we stay saved, if we stay to the end, we're going to get to move into the house. So there were seven words that God used in creation. In Genesis 1, the first word is created, right? And I said that was bara, but the next thing he said in Genesis 2 was formed and made. He, so he created a soul being, he formed a flesh body, and then he made a living soul, a fleshly being by the incorporation of that soul in a body. Deuteronomy 33, 12 tells us that without that covering, we're none of his. It says, the beloved of the Lord shall dwell in him, dwell in safety by him, and the Lord shall cover him all the day long, and he shall dwell between his shoulders. Now, there's some strange scriptures in the Old Testament that unless uh, God reveals it to you, you can't quite put it together. But this is pointing out the fact that without God's spirit, we're none of his. We're just a body and soul. Now, the fourth word that God used was breathed. Created, formed, made, breathed. 
And when he had said this, he breathed on them. The whole thing in Genesis 1 was repeated in John when Jesus was about to leave his disciples. But this time, what was breathed was revealed. He breathed on them and said, receive ye the Holy Ghost. You understand that that's exactly what happened in Genesis, but we don't know what was said. It just said God breathed. But the same thing happened prophetically by Jesus so that on the day of Pentecost... When the Holy Spirit came, they would be born for the first time in thousands of years apart from Jesus, a son of God, sons of God. Isn't that awesome? So in the New Testament here, it's revealed what happened in the creation when it says God breathed on them. But of course, the revelation of what was breathed and what was said was not given until John. Because now the same thing happens again. You know, like when you're running and you're out of breath. And they say, you catch your second breath. Then you can finish the race. Amen. If for us, that's exactly what mankind needed, that second breath. Because we had lost that first covering. Well, I'm getting so far ahead in the lesson. i got to slow down. Amen. Look what Jesus said in 1 John 6.63. The words that I speak, what are they? Spirit and life. So when he breathed on them and said, receive ye the Holy Ghost... That's what he was doing. It was spirit and life. When God breathes on you, it is spirit and life. In fact, in the in the Hebrew, the word breath, the ruach, is the spirit of God. So we had created, formed, made, breathed. Anyone guess what the next word was in God's creative process? What did he do next? What did he do next after he created mankind and put him in the garden? Or before he put him in the garden, actually. Planted. Now that's a strange thing because before that he just spoke things into existence. And I've said before the fact that this time God did this act of planting is very significant. So what does it mean? Genesis 2.8. And the Lord God planted. This was something that... uh, connotates or a a work or or an action. God could have just spoken things into existence, but this time the Bible says he planted a garden eastward in Eden, and there he put the man whom he had formed. Now this is really interesting, don't you think, when you start thinking about it, because so far he's created several different ways, and this time now he does something that is an action, not just a, a word. So the question is, What did God plant? Now, when you plant something normally, what do you plant? Seed. When you're planting something, most of the times, unless you've bought it half grown, but if it's from scratch, you plant a seed. And God God planted a garden eastward in Eden, and there he put the man whom he had formed. And then he says something interesting about the seed, because you understand that every time God is speaking, he's actually creating a law. When he said, let there be light, there was a law created, right? The scientists agree that the first thing that happened, of course, after the Big Bang, was that light appeared. That's what they they now conclude. So we know that scientists now have agreed in the order of some of the things that have happened in the beginning of the universe. So here we see that God created a biological law because he then said, let everything um, give birth after his kind. And the Lord God said, let the earth bring forth grass, the herb yielding seed, 
and the fruit tree yielding fruit after his kind, whose seed is in itself upon the earth, and it was so. Now this is very interesting, because it appears that when God first created everything, any plants, every single plant that he created had a seed. Now today that's not true. There are plants that can reproduce without seed, but 99.9% of them are weeds, are plants that we don't want. The ones that reproduce without seed, uh, you will find mostly are under the category of weeds. But when God first created and planted, it, it, it expressly states that every plant he created yielded seed and fruit tree yielding fruit after his kind. So actually God was setting up a biological law upon the earth, and it was so. I've said any time God says, let there be, the only answer is. Isn't that awesome? If God says, let there be in your life, the only answer is. That's it, because no, no force in the universe can resist God's word. Now, one of the things that's interesting that we have to use is the Bible to interpret the Bible. So the Bible in the Old Testament does not explicitly tell us what it was God planted. But we have some clues. We're going to look and we'll get to the explicit truth of what it was he planted. Matthew 13, Jesus tells his disciples four parables, four stories. And for the most part, they don't understand any of them. They call him aside privately and say, why do you keep speaking in parables? And it's in this chapter he tells them, listen, the secrets, the mysteries of the kingdom are only for you. And then he begins to explain the meaning of this parable. And in this chapter, he reveals some mysteries, some, some kingdom secrets that actually refer back to Genesis. Let's read it. But he that receives seed into the good ground is he that heareth the word. Remember what we said that he planted was the seed. But he that received seed into the good ground is he that what? Heareth the word. And understandeth it, which also beareth fruit, and bringeth forth some an hundredfold, some sixty, and some thirty. So the seed then represents what? The word of God. Isn't that interesting? The seed, let me say it again, represents the word of God. And of course, we can start to think of lots of scriptures that start to come back to our mind. John 1, 1 says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And we know in the New Testament that Paul speaks about the seed that was to come. So we start to see hints re referencing the Word of God as the seed. Let's, let's read on some more. So, the seed planted by God in the garden then also represents the word of God. Why would, why would God do that symbolically? Why would God plant something that represented the word of God? What was the plants in the garden for? Why were they there? Exactly. It was, for, it was what Adam and Eve were going to eat. So you notice that the seed that was planted was the word of God. What they were symbolically eating was, guess what? The word of God. Does that make sense? That's why this time he did not, he did not 
speak it into air. He did not make it out of dust because the word of God is himself. Is himself. So he could not create himself. It had to be planted. The Bible says we are planted together with him in baptism. So the seed represents the word of God. So now what that tells us, that this whole setup in the garden, God wanted them to eat only from him. Only from him. So First John 1, 3, 9 says this, Whosoever is born of God doth not commit sin, for his seed remaineth in him. And he cannot sin because he is born of God. So the physical seed, which represents the word, was for the body. The physical seed that God created, that God planted, was for food for the body. But where did that word come from? God, because he planted it. But there was another source of food. Because we find that Adam and Eve were covered with the glory of God. And God breathed on them a breath. Let's read it. So man's two natures, body and soul, were sustained by the word of God. The physical through the planted word and the spiritual through the breathed word or exhaled word. So through the literal words by the spirit covering that gave breath. Now, can I prove that to you? Yes. Hold that thought. We're, we're going to, to get there. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. So in both instances, the physical and the spiritual, what they were told to eat was the word of God. Do you know what we're supposed to be eating? Guess what are we supposed to be eating? Man shall not, but by... That statement by Jesus in Luke is so much more literal than we really understand. Than we really understand. So the word was in the beginning in the garden. John, first chapter John tells us that the Bible says he was in the beginning. The world was made by him and they knew him not. In the beginning, the word, that was what was planted. That was what was given to man to eat. And All that was given had a seed in it, and the seed is the word of God. Luke 4.4, and Jesus answered him, saying, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. If you don't get the word of God in you, this physical is getting fed by what you eat naturally, but your spirit is not getting fed and eventually will die. If that's the only way to eternal life is to have the word of God in you. So the natural food was for the body and the spiritual food was for the soul. Now, I want you to read Genesis 2-9 very, very carefully. Very, very carefully. And out of the ground made the Lord God to grow every tree that is pleasant to sight and good for food. That's a clue God is telling us about the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Let me just ask you a question that you can think about. Is the tree of the knowledge of of good and evil good for food? Okay. Let me read it again. And out of the ground made the Lord God to grow every tree that is pleasant to sight and good for food. Okay. So that starts to give us a hint 
of where the tree of the knowledge of good and evil came from, right? Because God made to grow, God made to grow, God planted every tree that is good for food. Good for food. In other words, God could not have planted anything that was bad, that was going to kill you. Now, in your questionnaire, here is the explicit answer to the question. Luke 8.11, Jesus tells them plainly, Now the parable is this, the seed is the word of God. Isn't that explicit? Now you know what it was he planted. And it was that very verse that Jesus quoted to Satan when he told him, you can do this the easy way. You've got the power to make bread on your own. And Jesus was quoting from Deuteronomy. He was quoting from the Old Testament where it says, And he humbled thee and taught you that man shall not live by bread. God deliberate. Remember what I taught Sunday morning? That he led them through the desert on purpose. So there was no food there. There was no water there. There was nothing there. The only way they could live was to depend upon him. And in fact, that's what God told them. I brought you this way. So that you would learn that man doth not live by bread alone, but by what? Every word. Do you understand? That's what made Adam and Eve immortal. They were eating the seed, which was the word. They were getting the spirit, which was the word. That's why they were immortal. And here in Luke eight eleven, it tells us explicitly, the seed is the word of God. So let me put it again. When God breathed, that was the spirit covering for the soul. And the breath was God's spirit that channeled life. And the spiritual food was for the soul. And if you read that breath, it's the nephesh, the ruach. His nostrils, the breath of life, and man became a living soul. So the breath was God's spirit that channeled life. And again, it says in um, Numbers and also in Luke, it says, By every word that proceedeth out the mouth of the Lord doth man live. It was by the very breath of life that animated the flesh body. Now in Genesis 2-7, it says it breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And the word that comes by the breath there is nephesh, meaning a soul. So there was a seed that was sown that represented God's very word. And Paul in the Corinthians likens the fact that our natural bodies were sown. Look at this. Corinthians fifteen thirty seven, and that which thou sowest, thou sowest not the body that shall be, but bare grain. In other words, a seed. It may chance of wheat or of some other grain, but God giveth a body as it hath pleased him, and to every seed his own body. So figuratively, the word, which is the good seed, was planted symbolically. Now, who is the word? Jesus. And he was planted on the cross. He went into the grave to arise as what? Remember, the Bible tells us that he is the tree of life. Do you understand? Do you, do you get it? Because he was planted, right? He was fulfilled. The thing that was, was symbolically done in Genesis, do you see that Jesus, who is the word, was planted? The Bible says if we have been also planted in the likeness of his death, we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection. So what Jesus did was fulfilling symbolically what happened in the garden where God planted the seed. 
The seed is the word of God. The word of God is Jesus. Now you have an idea who the tree of life is. Who the tree of life is. We'll get to that. So the seed was sown. Wisdom, Proverbs 3.18 says, she is a tree of life. To them that lay hold upon her. And happy is everyone that retaineth her. So wisdom is, is personified in the Old Testament in Proverbs as the tree of life. And in fact, in the New Testament, Paul calls Jesus the wisdom of God. Do you see how all these scriptures are starting to fit together? So it is in Christ's death we have redemption. And it is in his resurrection we have eternal life. What would have given them eternal life in the garden? The tree of life. Do you get it? The seed, the word that was planted, came up as the tree of life, which is in fact figuratively Jesus. He fulfilled that in the New Testament. Now I know I'm, I'm getting very deep here, so, and I'm going to try and slow down because I have a lot more to go. Now let's go back to what the Bible tells us. Is it getting too warm now? I turned up the heat. Someone said they were cold. Now you're all fanning yourself. <laughs> Don't pay them any attention. Okay. All right. I heard a story about a pastor who the saints were always complaining about the temperature. So he decided he was going to let them choose and he put a, a thermostat on the wall and said, you guys said it. Of course, it wasn't connected to anything, but they felt so much better. So if you see a thermostat on the wall somewhere there, now we've gone completely off subject. Let's, let's get back to the topic here. So I was, hinting, I was hinting at where the tree of the knowledge of good and evil comes from. And one thing we saw that the Bible explicitly said, number one, that God only planted stuff that was good for food. Isn't that true? Um, and I don't think you could call a tree that's going to kill you good for food. Also, it said that everything that was planted had a seed in it. And the seed was the word of God. That rules out the tree of knowledge of good and evil because it could not have had the seed that was the word of God. Or else it wouldn't have killed you. Are you following me? Okay, so far. So now let's look at this again in a little bit more detail. And the earth brought forth grass and herb yielding seed after his kind, and the tree yielding fruit whose seed was in itself after his kind. And God saw that it was good. So at this stage, it implies that there was not a tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Because remember, at the end of the sixth day, at the end of creation, God looked at everything in Genesis 1.31, and what did he say? It was very good. There had not yet been a rebellion. Satan had not rebelled. He looked at his whole creation and it was in perfection. So all these things that you see around us now, like weeds and stuff like that, were not there originally. Were not there originally. So let us read this again because I really want to make this point. This is in the NIV version. And out of the ground may the Lord God grow to every, every tree that is pleasant to the sight... And good for food. Now, this is where people go wrong. Because if you read this verse, you will see that nowhere in this verse does it explicitly say that God created the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. There's a, in the Hebrew, there's a conjunction. It says also. 
It was there, but it didn't say God created it. And good for food, the tree of, of life, also in the middle of the garden, and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. It does not anywhere explicitly say God created that. And in fact, God could not have created it because we've just seen that would be in, bring forth a contradiction because it was going to be a tree that killed you. Also, we know that it could not God have created it because every tree or herb he created had the seed in it. And the seed, according to Luke 8, 11, is word of God. The word of God is not going to kill you. The word of God is going to give you life. The word of God is going to heal you. The word of God delivers you. The word of God gives you eternal life. So we can see from that that God could not have created that tree. So where did it come from? We'll, we'll dive a little bit deeper. Every tree in which is the fruit of a tree yielding seed, to you it shall be for meat. So God said every tree that has a seed, you can eat it. Again, that's another clue about the tree of the knowledge of good and evil because we already know what the Bible said the seed represented. And so you understand why they had eternal life. Remember now, when they were kicked out of the garden, God said, lest they stretch forth their hand and eat of the tree of life and do what? Live forever. So it was the tree of life that provided eternal life because it represented Jesus. Even now, without Jesus, you're not going to have no life because in him is life. He is the light of the world. The Bible says in him is life and the light. So... Again, we can see the Bible in this symbolically prefiguring what would be fulfilled through Jesus Christ. And again, it says, every tree in which the fruit of the tree yielding seed to you, it shall be for meat. So we can conclude that the tree of the knowledge of good and evil had no seed. At least no seed or word, really, that came from God. Are you following? No word that came from God. That's why you have to be careful what word you do eat, what word you do take in, because you could be eating from a tree of knowledge of good and evil. Because the Bible tells us in uh, John, it says the words, the words that he speaks, they are spirit and they are life. And so this gives us a clue now to the death mechanism of what happened to Adam and Eve. So where did the tree come from? In Matthew 13, where Jesus says that the mysteries of the kingdom are given to you, he gives us, starts to give us a revelation. Another parable put he forth into them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is likened unto a man in which sowed what? Good seed. But while men slept, his enemies came and sowed weeds, tares. Remember what I said, that the, 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 the weeds today can reproduce, most of them, a lot of them, without seed came and sowed tares among the wheat and went his way. But Jesus is very explicit. He makes it plain who the enemy is and what he's doing. Let me read it. But he answered and said, Every plant which my heavenly Father hath not planted shall be what? That tells you that there were some plants that could be planted that weren't done by God. Here he's saying, Every plant that my heavenly Father hath not planted, shall be what? Do we ever hear of the tree of knowledge of good and evil again, outside of Genesis? No. You know why? It's been rooted up. 
When we go to Revelation and we see the garden scene again, there is a tree of life, but there is no tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Why? Because Jesus here said, every, tree, every plant which my heavenly Father hath not planted, if the word didn't come from him, it's going to be rooted up. And again, he makes it explicit. So now let's get back to Adam and Eve. And I'm sorry I'm going so fast. I'll try and slow down. I know I'm giving a lot of information. Today, how do we learn stuff? How do we gain information? But we gain information many ways, right? What are the five senses? Okay, so taste. We gain information of taste, right? Whether it's sweet, sour, bitter. So that's a way of getting information. Touch, hot, cold, smooth, rough. These are all ways that today we gain information. Smell. That's a very powerful thing. And in fact, most of these senses tend to work together, right? If your sense of smell is off, the food just (laughs) don't taste good. And then, of course, the one that none of us want to lose would be sight. I mean, if you had to choose to give up one, that's probably the one most people have at the end of the queue. Who wants to lose their sight? No. We'd probably, if you had to give up one, probably maybe, I don't know, smell maybe. No, I I think you'd want touch because then you wouldn't know if something was hot. You, You could lose all your limbs. And, of course, there is hearing. Now, so today, if you were to choose which was the most powerful sense, what would you say it is? See, you guys are cheating. I know it's repetition for some of you. According to the Bible, the most powerful sense is not our sight, but it's hearing. See, the the thing about sight is that I've got some optical illusions up there. They can deceive you. Sight can deceive you. You know, I mean, you think that all those circles are touching, but they're not. And you think that that thing, that gate is real, but it actually can't be actually real if you look at it. So the truth is that sight can deceive you. In fact, the Bible encourages us not to depend upon our sight, right? We walk by faith and not sight. Because, and I'll get to it, I'll shut up. I don't want to give it right now. So the most powerful sense according to the word of God is actually hearing. Why? Because that's how we got food from God. Right? The Bible says every word which proceedeth out of the mouth of God. So the most powerful physical sense may be sight But the most biblical sense is not sight. In fact, sight works against your hearing because hearing goes to your imagination. I call it your faith organ, right? Up until last year, I'd never been to Paris. So when people said Paris, you know, in my mind comes this picture of the Eiffel Tower. Now, I'd never been there, but that's, I can imagine it. You see, in your mind, you can imagine much more than you can actually see. You can imagine things that cannot actually be real. And that is stimulated or or entered into by words. That's why when you read a book, the book is always better than the movie. (laughs) 
because it's so much richer and your brain is helping, see? It's going to your imagination organ. The problem with us now is that we only have, when we first come to God, those five senses. That's the only way we get knowledge. And of course, it can deceive us. Um, And that is the problem with us is that we look at what we can see and it's so real. But what does the Bible say? Romans 10, 17. So then faith, not by sight. Faith comes by hearing. And hearing how? Through the word of God, the seed. And hearing is our most powerful sense because it connects directly with our mind. Our mind more than our physical body. Our faith organ, really, which is our imaginations. We can, we can see things with our mind that we cannot see with our eyes. And of course, 2 Corinthians 5, 7 tells us, for the Christian, we walk by faith and not by sight. And in Hebrews, the Bible is full in the New Testament of things telling us that it's not by sight. Hebrews 11, 3, through faith, we can understand that the worlds were framed by what? The word of God. So that things which are seen, the things that we can believe in, right? We're not made of things which do appear because God created it ex nihilo, out of nothing. He said, let there be, and there was. I want God to say, let there be to me a few times. I want him to, to birth some things, create in me, like David said, a clean heart and renew a right spirit within me. So before Adam sinned, though, he had more than five senses, He had the spirit covering, which enabled him to have communion with the spirit world, in fact, directly with God. The Bible says that nobody can come to God except through the spirit. So it was that sixth sense, which was the spirit, that enabled him to be able to have communion with God. How did Adam gain knowledge before he sinned? Well, he was a soul interlocked in a body, indwelt and surrounded by a spirit covering. And we know that because Jesus came to reveal to us what a son of God looks like. He said, I have manifested thy name in John. What was his full name? No, what was Jesus' full title? Peter, who do men say I am? Thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. That's who he really was. For 4,000 years before that, there had not been a son of God. There had been sons of men. We see that from Genesis 5 because when Adam by that time fallen had a son, it said it was in his image and in his likeness, but he was a son of man. But Jesus came as a son of God. And he came to show us what it was we have lost. Because the Bible tells us when we see him, isn't that amazing? That's what blows my mind, that we can be identically like Jesus was. Everything that Jesus did is promised to us. You know why we can't see it? Because we're just using our five senses. I'm puny, I'm short, I'll never be an NBA star. (laughs) You thought that was funny. (laughs) You know, because we're using our senses rather than our faith. And this is the problem that we have because we have not yet fully, even though sometimes we've been filled with the Spirit, learned to walk by faith 
and not by sight. How can I prove that this was Adam's case before he sinned? Here's the revelation now. Here's the revelation coming up. Before he sinned, we've shown that the only words he got were from the seed planted by God, which was the physical word and the spiritual word. The only knowledge he could get was from God. And that's how God wanted it. So what about his other senses? What about his taste? Didn't he get knowledge through that? He did, but it was filtered. He had a filter on it. The Spirit filtered all that stuff out. It came through God's, through the Spirit covering. How can I prove that? Because the Bible says he was naked, but he didn't know it. Even though he had eyes, the Spirit declared him covered. When God declares you perfect, don't go look to try and undo that. Because that declaration is by faith. If you start to look at yourself, you'll become undone. If I start to really look at myself, I I, I can't have faith. And it's very hard. It's very hard. Here's a test for you. Here's a test. And I've used it before. Imagine right now God is looking down on you. And he's saying, this is my beloved son or daughter in whom I'm well pleased. Now that's hard for us to accept because immediately we start thinking of all the stuff. All the mistakes. But you see, what we're doing is not allowing his covering and declaration to rest upon us. He didn't ask Adam, did you eat the apple? He said, who told you? You've heard somebody else's word. You've eaten from somebody else's tree. Who told you you were naked? You weren't supposed to know that because I declared you perfect. You were covered by the the, the most glorious thing that man has ever seen, the, the Shekinah glory of God. When Jesus went upon the mountain, just for a little bit, he peeled back the flesh and they couldn't even look at it. The Bible said he was transfigured. His clothing became as white as anything could ever make it. And he shone. And that's exactly what Adam looked like. So he could not see himself. When we can't see ourselves, then all we can see is Jesus and his glory. The Bible says when we see him, we shall be like him. For we shall see him as he is. That is the beauty of this. Here is the quote that Jesus quoted from in Deuteronomy. Jesus, God led them into the desert so that they absolutely had to depend upon him. That he might make thee to know that man doth not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of the Lord doth man live. So again, what about his other senses? Yes, he could still feel and touch things, but most of those things were filtered. Because God did not want him gaining knowledge through his just his senses. We see this in the example in the Old Testament where Elisha was in a town and the king of Assyria had sent a whole army to come and arrest him. And his servants started to get scared. They sent a whole division of troops. Can't you see Elisha? The city is surrounded. And they're coming just after us too. Now this guy wasn't blind. But you know what Elisha said? Open his eyes, Lord. (laughs) You see, our senses tell us the truth, but not the whole truth. It tells us partial truth. So if you only believe what you can see, you're only getting partial truth. So God, God opened 
the servant's eyes and suddenly he saw, yeah, they were surrounded by a few hundred soldiers, but on the hills surrounding the city was the complete host of the army of God. One person with God is the majority, you know that. You see, our senses will only show us the physical and that's why we lack faith. But if we could reach into the spiritual, we'd, we'd see the angels surrounding us when we're walking down a dark street. We'd see the, God working behind the scenes to deliver us out of some of the things that we're going. We would be able to see those things. But that's what we lost. Because he lost that covering when he sinned. Let's, let's go on a little bit. So the physical was filtered by the spirit covering. So before he ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, the only knowledge and reality that came to Adam was from God, either through the, the plants that God had created or directly through the spirit, through the, through the spirit communication. Because remember, when he was hiding, the Bible says he heard the voice, the voice. This means this was something regularly. He would eat spiritually from the voice. He would eat physically from the plants. That's why we struggle so much. We eat physically, but we don't eat much spiritually. The only knowledge of reality that man had was from God. Now, God has modeled this. God has modeled this in a woman who is pregnant. Because the baby, at a certain stage, has all the senses. But the only thing, the only sense that gets from the outside inside... Is hearing. Why? Because it's covered. It's covered. Yes, it has all the senses, but the only thing that gets to the baby before it's born is hearing. It knows. It has heard the mother's. It has heard the mother's uh, voice. It's heard the father's voice. Maybe. Um, my wife used to play the guitar for all our children. She wanted them to be musicians, so that kind of worked out. Yeah, most of the, I think all of them are either musicians or sing or something. So the only sense that comes in from the outside was hearing. That's why the Bible in Revelation says, um, whosoever has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. So the knowledge came from God. And the proof of this, as I said, is, uh, before they sinned, they could not see or even sense the fact that they were physically naked, even though you couldn't see them because they glowed so brightly. They were transfigured just like Jesus. Genesis 2.25, and they were both naked, the man and his wife, and were not ashamed because they were covered with the glory of God. And we can see something changed because after they sinned now, they could see they were naked and ran away and started to make something else to cover because the spirit covering had been taken. So man's interface to the world was through the spirit covering and therefore was by faith. That covering was maintained by faith, by believing God's word and everything he said. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. One of these days I'm going to put my invisible chair, as I said before, Anyone want to come and sit in my invisible chair? You have faith? You can't see it. There's a chair there in my mind. You see, God said that the words that he speaks, they are spirit and they are life. So God's word, the Logos, was man's original 
covering. And as long as Adam and Eve kept on listening to the voice, the covering was sustained. Isaiah 30 verse 1 is very explicit. It says, Woe to the rebellious children, saith the Lord, that take counsel, but not of me, and that cover with a covering, but not of my spirit. You know what that tells us? The covering is supposed to be God's spirit. When Adam and Eve sinned, what did they go do? They made some fig leaves. But if the fig leaves were such a good covering, they wouldn't have been hiding. It covered the outside, but it could not cover the soul. It could not cover the soul. So what the death mechanism really was, is that they lost faith. So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. So I want to tell you that bad faith comes by bad hearing. You can believe in things that are not true and have faith in things that are not true because you've been listening to the wrong word. You're eating from the wrong tree. Because it does work. It's whatever you listen to, you can become. So bad faith beliefs, religions, also come by hearing. So that's why it should, we should be careful what stuff we take in. And this happens when the word is not from the Logos. Which is not, that's why when God came looking from him, the first thing he said was, not did you eat, not did you disobey, but who told you this? Who said that? And this is the death mechanism. So by listening, having faith in another's word, which is what Eve did, He said, you will not surely die. She believed him. She had faith now in someone else's word. And she went and took off the the tree. That's what killed them. Because they did not no more have faith in God. And so the covering, the spirit covering, went. After Eve believed in another's word, she ate of the tree and gave also to Adam. The tree then gave them knowledge outside of God's word. It did give them knowledge. You know what it gave them? Independent judgment. I call it the tree knowledge. So when we see something, let's say we see someone in a wheelchair, it's hard for us to say that person can get healed because now we have independent judgment. We know that people in wheelchairs that are crippled just, that can't happen. Why? We're trusting our senses. As I said, when I was a small, like three or four year old, if my dad said he was going to give me something, it was not a matter of, of if, it was when. You know, I always wanted a train set. Okay, it's now, he says yes. So now it's just a matter of when. I started believing immediately. It was not a matter of uh, if. Yeah, you're going to get it. And so now I was just looking for the when. But us as adults, if God says something to us, mm, we start, our, our senses start to fight that. And it's very hard for us to put down now the tree knowledge that we have gained through Adam. The trouble was that their faith now in God's word could no longer sustain the spirit covering. And that was the death mechanism. You see, they were really still babies, although they were fully created, fully grown. They were still babies, as I pointed out last week in Galatians 4.1, it explained that the heir, when he's a child, it differeth nothing from what? a servant, but is under tutors and guardians until the time appointed by the Father. And last week I explained that's why Satan was in the garden. 
But they had never reached that maturity to be a full son of God. Now you compare that with Jesus. And I didn't put it in this lesson, but you will see that he was the fullness of the the realization of what a son of God should be. So their faith could not maintain the shock of finding out, of eating this fruit now and listening to someone else's words. And because they were babies... Their, their, their faith was not strong enough to sustain and they, their filtered senses now started to come through. And they started to say, oh, I'm naked. You're naked. We better run. <laughs> you may laugh, but if all of our clothes disappeared in here, I think I'd be running out of here too. I'm sorry, I'm not. <laughs> or I'm going to stay right behind here. <laughs> We laugh at Adam and Eve, but I don't know if any of us are such great specimens that we, we, we are proud of how we look, all natural, as they say. But they could see, so they ran and hid. But yet God had declared them perfect. And as long as they believed that, the covering remained. You know, we can put at, we can put at naught, the Bible says, God's declarations. God can declare us perfect. He can declare us uh, never forsaken. But we can put that aside by not believing it. In fact, listening to the now the voices of our senses. We can't see God right now. God, are you really there? I'm going through some stuff right now. Are you really there? That's a death mechanism. That's a tree of knowledge mechanism. The truth is, Job 34, 14 says, If he were to gather himself, his spirit and his breath, all flesh shall perish together, and man shall turn again into dust. So the knowledge of good and evil is really receiving a word, but not from God. It's eating from the wrong tree. Choosing faith in our senses, what we can see, what we believe, rather than trusting God's. It's, it's faith in ourselves, faith in our own judgment. It looks pretty good. I know God said I shouldn't eat it, but you know, it looks good. I think I'm going to try this for myself. Mistake, wrong, wrong decision. I know if I had a time machine, I'd go back many years and try and fix some bad things I did, some bad choices. But that's not possible. What we can do is submit ourselves tomorrow, this week, next month, unto our Savior, to listen to His voice, to eat the spiritual food, not just the fleshly food. See, that's why Jesus came, so that faith could be reborn. When Jesus left, he promised to send the Comforter, the Holy Spirit, yet not another. Matthew 3.11, I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance, but he that cometh after me is mightier than I. This is John the Baptist, whose shoes I am not worthy to bear. He shall baptize you again with the Holy Ghost. and We needed that covering once more. And the only way we could get it was that the only covering left had to come and die. Just like the symbol of the seed planted, a seed dies and it comes up as a tree. Jesus had to die to give us back the tree of life. Amen. If you could stand with me. I went through that real fast. But we're going to close this this section for our online, for our streaming purposes. And then we're going to get into our question and answer. Amen. So if you could bow your hearts one more time. Father, we ask, Lord God, that your word will bring faith, Lord God, that we will not walk by sight, hallelujah, but just trust your declaration that you have declared us 
perfect, Lord God, that when we were baptized, our sins were remitted, Lord God, and that your word now washes and cleanses us. Lord, help us to just trust in you and not to walk by sight. Lord, we just thank you for your word. Let us stand upon your promises. Let us claim the victory over Satan. Hallelujah, because of your blood. We give you the praise and the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's give God a praise offering. Amen.